Should we explain the second mic that we're not even using? Sure. Okay. Hey everyone, so we have a second mic that has been in the, the frames for these videos for a few weeks now. We haven't actually been using it. Um, it's kind of a backup mic in case this one doesn't pick me up, but it's been picking me up really well. The other thing is um, this mic here is very high quality. And so there's like a distinctive sound difference between the two mics. And we feel like it's just kind of like disruptive if we switch back and forth between the two. Is yeah. disruptive the right word? Yeah. Like if I talk, I'd be using this mic when editing, I guess. And then, yeah, you'd be using my mic. But yeah, it's like. It'd be noticeable to a listener. Yeah, and um, we care about all of our listeners and viewers. We actually, we recorded this little bit um, earlier in the show and then realized that my my specific mic was off. But yeah, let's talk about the microphone real quick. Yeah, and I was, I was going to try to edit it, so like everything Rylan just said is through that mic, and now you hear me through the other mic, and you can kind of hear the difference probably fingers crossed it will probably come through so then you can see the difference where like it makes Ryland very clear and I will sound like maybe more fuzzed out uh yeah so you know we're thinking about other potential solutions for now this is just like a backup mic in case this one doesn't work for me during an episode um the nature of this mic the reason why we can't use this one mic to capture both of us it's because this mic only captures, like, the little zone, like, right in front of it. It's like if I don't have it, like, right up to my mouth, it won't capture me at all. So um, just an interesting little restriction with this mic. Welcome to the wardrobe. This is the Who You Know podcast. I'm Ryland Deemer. And I'm Elisa Wilde. And we've got a great show for you today. What are we talking about, Elisa? Well, got the new game, Elden Ring. Yeah, you got it. Uh... That just came out. We'll talk about that. Our thoughts on Ukraine. Mm -hmm. um, we'll hit on that. And the nature of regret. So a very lighthearted episode, uh, front <laughs> to back. Um, yeah. Maybe the first part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Elden Ring. I guess let's talk about it. So I have Elden Ring. Um, I'm seeking the shards of the Elden Ring. And you don't have Elden Ring, right? How? Or and like the game. Will. I don't have the game. Is that what you mean? Right. Yeah. Okay, okay. You don't have the game. I don't have the game. Oh, should we? Yeah, we should probably explain. Elden Ring's a video game. <laughs> um, now, some of you might be hearing video game and then tuning out because you're not interested, but we're not really going to be talking about the game. We're going to be talking about why people like it and what kind of keeps people coming back. And I think it's something that goes beyond just video games. Okay, yeah, because, like, I don't know much about it, so I'm going to be asking questions along with everyone else who doesn't know anything about it. So. Yeah. All I do know that this is a Souls game. What does that mean? That's what I or was going to I... ask you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, when when somebody says that a game is a Souls game or a Souls-like, that's referring to the genre of game, right? Okay. So you've got, like shooter games i think every game is a fighting game that's what i always okay say. that's not a real genre though is it um fighting game is a genre that oh, would be like okay. street fighter mortal Kombat. those are titles that probably most people have heard of okay there's platformer games that's like super mario brothers yep yeah lots of different game genres one of the newest game genres though is souls-like games 
Um, and that term is coined after the company that made these games uh, from software. They, they kind of created the genre. So they had a game called Demon Souls, and then they had a, a series of three games called Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3, uh, and then a, a couple other title, titles that follow that Souls-like formula. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I would say, like, you know, that first game kind of created the Souls-like formula, and then when Dark Souls came out, that's what popularized it. And then people started referring to games as, like, Souls-like if they followed a similar formula. Like, what is the formula? I feel like, is there, like, what I'm picturing, you can tell mm -hmm. me if this is right or wrong, is, like, the character is a soul. I don't even know. That's all I got. Okay. Am I close? Okay. Well, okay. We're starting from the ground floor here, it seems. <laughs> so a Souls-like game, um, I think the word soul doesn't really mean much oh, really? as far okay. as define or like describing the genre, because okay. it's not about the soul or, or anything like that. But um, these games are defined by a gameplay loop that features uh, very difficult combat encounters. And as you defeat foes, you acquire some kind of... Uh, in a lot of these games, they're referred to as souls, but they can go by other names as well. You, like, accumulate as, like, a currency almost, like, souls from the enemies that you defeat. Okay. And then you can spend those to upgrade your character. Okay. Okay. However, if you ever die, all of those souls that you've accumulated get lost if you haven't already purchased an upgrade with them. So it's a very punishing gameplay experience. You need to play um, at like a very high level, like near perfect, in order to get past a lot of these encounters without losing your progress. Yeah, so this kind of reminds me, I think when Dan was playing Demon Souls, that was like mm -hmm. the first one, right? That he was yelling a lot while playing mm -hmm. it and very upset and it reminded me of like when the eagles are doing bad when the sixers are doing bad and i was like what is wrong and so he just said it's a very like it's a lot it was like a step up from some of the other games he's played in like terms of difficulty or yeah yeah complications and i'm sure that's what he was upset about yeah and i'll dying. i think that's an important point these souls like games are broadly considered to be the most difficult games that you can you can try to play. And in the past, uh, so we're, we're gonna jump back a couple decades, uh, in the past games would often have kind of a unfair level of difficulty. Think about games like Frogger, mm -hmm. uh, Pac-Man, um, these, these older games that were first featured in arcades were designed to make you lose once you get a couple levels in so you would have to really like you know memorize things or, or have like a um, an approach that you practice over and over and over again because they wanted more of your quarters going into the machine right so that's like kind of an artificial um, uh, uh, way of creating difficulty whereas the souls like games that we have now it, it, having like such a difficult game but in a way that still feels fair mm -hmm. is a really impressive thing that this game company's done. What makes you want to play a difficult game? <laughs> so 
I like to play games that are difficult yet fair. Yeah. And and that's what I'm getting out of Elden Ring right now. So what makes me want to play it is I'll I'll describe a mechanic real quick, um, like a, a game system to help illustrate this. Uh, you have a button on the controller that you can press that makes you do like a dodge roll. Okay. Right after you press that button, there's like point three five seconds worth of time where you you can't take damage. You can't be hit by a sword, you can't be struck by the dragon's tail. Like a very short window of time, like a third of a second. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as you confront a foe, you don't know like what the timing is of when they swing the sword. How long do they wind up? How quickly do they have a, a, a backstrike? When does their boot lash out at you? You don't know the timing of those things. And and so you, you inevitably fail. You try to dodge, but you mistime it. You get hit. You get knocked down. They stab you, and your game is over, and you, you start back, you know, yeah. five minutes prior or whatever. Um, but as you continue running up to that foe over time, you learn that rhythm. It becomes a dance between you and the opponent. Yeah. Like every every time that you know he reaches into his pocket, you know, even though he's swinging at you with a sword, he's also about to throw a knife at you. So you know, mm-hmm. you know the, the rhythm of those two beats, and you know when to press your button to dodge. And after so many confrontations against the same opponent, and learning the timing of of those dodges, you also learn when you have your brief moments of opportunity to attack the foe yourself. So it becomes this like interesting back and forth between you and the game system to learn that rhythm. And after repeating it so many times, you hit a flow state. So those of you who, um, you know, might have desk jobs, you know that a flow state is such like a a great thing to achieve during a work day because it's like, (laughs) suddenly you're getting work done at, at an incredible rate and you're feeling like yeah. good. You're feeling like uplifted by it. Um, that's what these games do. They they kind of force you into achieving a flow state in order to get past the opponents. Hmm. Um, not many games can do that. Most games yeah. I'll just have like a podcast going as I'm playing it because oh, really? I can you know have my attention split. Whereas the Souls like genre of games and also um I'll, I'll add monster hunter into the mix they manage to like force the flow, flow state upon you and it huh. it feels incredible you feel like the rhythm is like a part of you it's like dancing it, it it's a very same sensation to me wow uh, i guess i never thought of video games feeling like that to yeah. someone yeah i was just and so you can comparison. Yeah. yeah, you can imagine being frustrated though mm-hmm. as you're running up to the same foe 12 times in a row. Yes. Barely making any progress. And it's only when you hit that when you when you find when it all finally comes together and you hit the rhythm right, you manage to take the foe foe down at the end of it and and that rush, that feeling is probably similar to passing an actuarial exam. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> So that made me feel like 
maybe the frustration levels like to me so like let's say you kept running up but then you like beat them you got that flow going but then you run into the next one and fail right mm-hmm. away yep. it seems like a very high and then a l- very low in the like same 10 minutes would that be yeah that, 15 minutes? that can happen okay. um there's also like lessons learned from an earlier foe can help yeah. you kind of ease into the frustration of the next foe but inevitably there's going to be a lot of like failure that you have to persist through in order to triumph i feel like i'm starting to understand what the feeling might be like because i mean i played gamecube when i was very young very young games included spongebob finding nemo but like now that you're saying this, like I was on the edge of my chair playing Finding Nemo because as soon as I got past the part I could never get past, it was like a rush of like, mm-hmm. I did it. I feel like I can kind of get that, but again, very different game <laughs> yeah. as a child. Well, and and you experience this in your your um daily life yep. uh, as well to the extent that you work really hard, persist through frustration in order to achieve something. Yep. So, you know, actuarial exams, I think, is a really obvious example of that. Yeah. Um, where you just kind of run up against the foe every yeah. day for months. <laughs> it's okay. And then you finally make it to the boss chamber and hope that all of the prep that you did can get you through that fight. That's it. Yeah. And even work, like you're working on a project a really long time, you finally get over that hump. Turns out, well, you're proud you accomplished it Mm -hmm. so how long it do you think you'll spend on it like how long will it take you to finish the game uh i don't really have a good concept of that actually a lot of the reviewers for elden ring didn't even finish the game which is really unusual um is that that sounds bad like is it a bad ending (laughs) no it's so it's um i I don't know if it's good or bad it's more the nature of the game this one is Uh more open in scope We, we don't need to spend too long kind of going into it but it's what's considered an open world game so you have a you you can choose to go north you can choose to go south you can choose to go east you know whatever and um that makes the game uh quite broad and they've added a lot of really interesting like optional content and so a lot of reviewers didn't even get to the end of the game before the review embargo dropped but of course they all wanted to have the review out as soon as that embargo dropped yeah um yeah, and I, I guess I'll also just mention the game, as of a couple days ago, it had the highest open critic score of any game of all time, wow. which is, you know, obviously a, an incredible feat. Yeah. I don't think it's a game for everyone, but I think I can recommend it to people a lot easier than I could recommend any other Souls-like game. Thanks so, for sharing. Yeah. Uh, thank you for asking questions. Yeah. So, everyone, persist through the foes that challenge you in your life, prepare to face them, and do some research beforehand about whatever you may be confronting in life. Wow. I went deep from real life lessons taught right there too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Speaking of uh, preparing, um, do you ever think about like, because we we have the the Russia Ukraine uh, situation. Do you ever think about? Um, and I I can't imagine being the Ukraine people right now. How mm-hmm. how hard that must be. Um, 
But do you do you think about like if war? And I know this is the most unlikely thing, but if war were to like come here, yeah, like how? I don't even I don't even know how to ask this. Like, wh- what's the game plan, Elisa? Yeah. What, what are we doing? Well, like I've definitely thought about it, so I feel like I can have kind of an answer. But I think when this started, like the first day when Russia like actually attacked, the first day, physically, uh, I did kind of have those thoughts. Like, what if that just happened? where I live like mm-hmm. what would be my first thing and like if they I think I would just listen to whatever people told me if they said evacuate I would evacuate I don't know where I would go like it depends where everything else is happening would I go to a different country would I just go to a different state like just where family is like I don't know where but i would get in my car and like i saw pictures of that in ukraine mm-hmm. of just the cars lined up ready to leave like it just seems crazy but i would get out and not know where i'm going right away and figure it out as i go but like and i assume you'd bring uh dan and jackson yeah yeah i thought you were just gonna ask about jackson i was like yes to jackson <laughs> <laughs> well so i don't know like what um like family priorities do you know what i mean like no, would, I would you be like taking the family with you like i think so unless there was a reason someone needed to stay i don't know but i think so like my parents do live like in the same city as me so mm-hmm. um i would probably be calling them up and be like what are you doing like yeah where are you going and if they were like oh we're just gonna stay i'd be like no i don't think you should type of thing but again, I'd listen to like what's going on around me and what officials are telling me to do. I don't know if that's the right word, but like I know they've said evacuate or like mm-hmm. whatever. So like I'd probably listen. Yeah, Might I'd... travel together, yeah, with family to like yeah. make sure we all get to the same place. So like you, Dan, Jackson would form like a caravan with like your family and then. Yeah, because I think it's them and then. I don't know. Maybe Dan would call his parents who mm-hmm. live in a different state and be like, where are you going? I don't know if we would meet up. Just go where we can. Um, but we'd probably all be in contact with each other, hopefully. Yeah. It's one of those things where like it's hard to plot out without like a specific situation in mind. But um what I what like comes to my mind a lot um after like this U- Ukraine situation started is people who don't have cars like they don't have a vehicle either because they can't afford it or just because their lifestyle doesn't need it um like what do they do or you know maybe they just don't have the means to to leave you know if they're if it's like a paycheck to paycheck kind of situation you can only afford you know so much gasoline and food for the road and you're not going to be making money it's it's scary to think about definitely Um, and i feel like i was i don't know if i want to go this way i was just talking to someone about how we were talking about like adaptations or mutations as we've gone through life and like why we have tonsils but don't need them stuff like that mm -hmm. and like why haven't we like just gotten rid of that body part in our life or something Mm -hmm. if it was only useful way back when and we're like well survival of the fittest isn't really a thing anymore because we have like societies civilizations but, like, this could be an example where, like, something could hurt you and, like, it wipes out, like, a certain type of community just because they weren't able to get out. 
of yeah. their situation. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, really sad to think about yeah. that it could happen. So what you're saying is like it disproportionately affects like some groups of people like who yeah like this have like, like fewer means or yeah in this yeah. case like yeah people who like yeah couldn't afford to have a car or gasoline yeah. or yeah. and are there plans in place to like protect that type of people is it because like if for example if you were in charge of a city that was under attack yeah would you be focusing it'd be hard to focus your attention on every single type of person while you're trying to protect the city at the same time. Mm -hmm. But are there plans in place already to help that process go more smoothly? I have no idea, because like, it's not a situation we think about often. Yeah. But if it happened to our city, like, yeah. What are the plans? That makes me interested. Yeah. Also, to be clear, I think there's like no chance we would ever be in a wartime situation where we live. I hope so, yeah. But I mean. It's just like a, a thought exercise, I guess. Right. And like, I always think about the what ifs, even how crazy the what ifs are. And sometimes that can be bad. I but. think something that, that could be more realistic is like a natural disaster of some sort. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's some that, that could reach us Yep. Um, where we live. So the idea of having like a go bag. Yeah. That's a, like something that you could just like throw into the car and get going. I like that idea, and I've thought about it a lot. It's just I've never, like, actually taken the time to, like, create a go bag, but... Well, yeah, they had, like, that huge... I think it was... Was it a snowstorm that, like, stopped all traffic on the East Coast, basically, for, like, mm. 12 or 14 hours, and people were, like, in their cars for 14 hours, and I heard someone say, like, uh, I should put a blanket in my car. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I already have one, because <laughs> I'm always yeah. worried about that, too. No, it's smart. Yeah, and I had to drive, like, an hour away yesterday, and I hadn't done that in a while in my car, and I was freaking out a little bit, and I'm like, what if my car stops on the side of the road, and I don't know what to do, I have a blanket, it's cold out, I don't know. That was another, okay, I think this is what I was going to bring up. Do you know what the weather is like over there in Ukraine? Like, I'm wondering, is it cold? Is it freezing? Um, I don't know. I don't know either, because I think when I was seeing people evacuate, I was kind of thinking about that, like, if they're just, like, evacuating by foot, how cold is it? If their home is destroyed and they're out on the street now, like, how cold is it for them? It, like, seems like it would be cold, but I actually don't know. Yeah. You know what I'm curious? I, I'm curious to know what our viewers and listeners um, have as far as, like, disaster preparedness. Yeah. Like, are you, are you a go-bagger? Are you... Do you have a bomb shelter under your house? Do you do nothing? Um, so sound off in the comments. We'd love to hear uh, like what you all do to prepare. Does anyone have those secret rooms you see in the movies that are like three stories deep that you had no idea existed and they're hiding prisoners in there? That sounds super cool. <laughs> I, w I bet they well, exist, not, right? Not the prisoners yeah. part. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was starting to like say it before I before I, I processed what you're. <laughs> no prisoners, but yeah, like I think bomb shelters used to be more of a thing, like mm. back in the day, right? Yeah, yeah, and I've heard so. I did see a very interesting post by like a classmate, I guess. College? What do you call that? College classmate. <laughs> you can say classmate. Yeah, I, uh, I saw a post by them on Facebook because their family is from Ukraine. Hmm. Um, 
And he was just saying how crazy it is because he still has family over there. And, like, some people are, like, digging bomb shelters right now. Wow. Like, which is just, yeah. I just, uh, I don't know. I can't. Obviously, if you're in Ukraine, that, like, I can't imagine it. But even family outside of Ukraine that has family in Ukraine, like, that would be still almost just as scary, I feel like, if my family was over there. I also, this week, because this has been going on for almost a week, less than a week. It's been, of recording. it's been like three or four days. Oh, at, at the time that this is published, I think it'll be about a week. It, yeah. So, like, but even still the last couple of days that it's been going on, I feel like I've been so busy to, like, not even be able to dig into, like, all the stories because I think I had time for one podcast in the shower and I got mm-hmm. to listen. But, like, I am just hungry to learn more, I feel like, because I don't know all the details still. And I... And I think this is the first, the first like big military action that we've had in a country where like cell phones are super prevalent and lots of info is like coming out. So that'll be interesting to see like how the world processes that. Mm -hmm. Because I even like I, I like logged into YouTube today. I don't remember where I was going, but like the first cover page was like a live feed of. How do you Kiev? Kiev, yeah. Kiev. So I was like a live stream, and I'm just like, oh man, what will I? See? I didn't click on it because I was going to YouTube for other reasons, but I'm just like, what will I see? Yeah. Well, and it's I'm, just I'm hard to believe. I'm yeah. very curious to see like how that may impact the um, the military action itself. Mm-hmm. Like, well, having the the fact that information can spread so quickly, Crazy. like, will that influence the outcome? Yeah. Cause I oh, let me think if I can think of what I saw. I saw a post that said like, "This is how, this is what it was like in 1939." It's just we have social media to like it, mm-hmm. see it all over now, or something like that. Uh-huh. You know what I just realized? What? This mic is off. Oh no! I can't. Yeah, it. we did it again. I did it again. Well, I'll, I'll take the blame for it for sure. Is it really off though? Because it's moving. Yeah, so it, it, it moves, but I, I've got it muted on the thing. Oh, no. Do you want me to unmute it and we can try to... Sure, yeah. yeah. I feel like our last topic is about the nature of regret. I feel like you had a good, like, you, like, were talking about this with someone last night, and they were talking about how they wanted to kind of, like, live a life without regrets. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, I... I really appreciated that conversation that I had with um, a good friend. Um, so I I don't think we, we probably don't need to talk much about, like, our actual regrets that we've had, because um, certainly I have them. <laughs> but, um, like, the idea of looking forward in life, looking to your future, and trying to live your life in a way that limits your regrets so help me out Elisa how do I do that well that's like what my first thought was I was like sometimes I think we regret stuff that happened by accident and you couldn't really control but still might have a feeling of regret but otherwise I was trying to think of the thought process in my head of like how do I tell myself before I even realize it that you're gonna regret this like Mm -hmm. how does that get triggered in my brain 
And some of it, I think, is like, what are the consequences? Because like, there's going to be consequences with every decision you make. And both sides might have like a, a word, like a, a negative or like a con to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you kind of have to like weigh them, which one is more. And that's something I do with my life all the time. So then it's like, well, which one will I regret more? And that's like a difficult thing to think about because I'm like a very happy-go-lucky, like whatever. I'm like a go with the flow. Whatever happens to me, I'm happy with. So it's like maybe harder for me to feel like, oh, I'm going to regret this if I don't do it because I'll like take the step to like enjoy wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. But I think if you ever have that, like, I feel like I'm still thinking about, like, what will alert you that you're going to regret it? And, like, I think there's probably that certain feeling of, like, oh, but. And so I feel Mm -hmm. like I need to pay attention to that. So I think what you're describing is your inner voice kind of of piping up. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, like, I'm trying to think back. To an example, I don't need to share one, but I'm just trying to think of one for my own benefit to, like, what was I feeling like in the time? Mm -hmm. And I can't think of something right now. Well, so um, I I can try to come up with one for my own. And I've talked in episodes in the past about how I like to um, chase coincidences. Oh, yeah. And to me, uh, when I have that feeling click where I'm like, oh, there's a coincidence. If I don't like do something to like pursue the coincidence, I will feel regret. I'll feel like I I like something's off. Like I just missed out on some like secret of the universe almost. Like it feels like a a very strong pull. And Mm -hmm. if I go against it, then I I feel like I've just missed out. I feel like this kind of might it's like a spiritual FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> so I think... Can we put that in the episode title? Spiritual, spiritual FOMO. FOMO. <laughs> I like it. Um, that makes me feel like you almost like realize or know what you are most interested or driven towards in life. And so I feel like that will help guide yes. decisions too once you really realize that That is a great point yeah and i don't know if i necessarily have pinpointed that for my Mm -hmm. own life which is why maybe like my regrets feel more accidental because i also think i'm learning as i go like i did kind of think of a one now in my head and i'm like in the time i i kind of like regret not spending as much time with friends in high school for example and like because i spent probably a lot more time like with my boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, because then I didn't develop like deeper connections with just friends too. And so that's kind of a regret, but I feel like at the time it didn't feel like a regret. But now as like my life has moved forward, it does. So oh. I'm kind of like learning as I go almost and t- just like recognizing and teaching myself. So then hopefully, like I'm thinking when I have kids, Mm-hmm. I'm sure my parents were like, you should spend more time with your friends. But I like just didn't. I was like, eh, you don't know how I want to live my life. <laughs> but I mean, so it's going to be difficult to tell a kid or a high schooler that anyway. But I'm glad that I know that now. And then I can think about that as I move forward with my 
life decisions now, I guess. Yeah, and I, you know, the, the point you make about how you don't necessarily know what you'll regret, mm-hmm. I think that's, like, for me, it took so long to figure out, like, what I truly value, what really drives and motivates me, what gives me feelings of joy, and, I mean, it, it just took so long, you know, to, like, get to the point where I felt like I I understand myself 80% at least. Yeah. Uh, and I, I would guess that's the same for a lot of people. Um, and so... You know, I mentioned the example of, like, chasing coincidences, but for me it's important that, like, what I do um, has some kind of higher meaning or layered meaning to it. And, like, spending time with friends is so important. And mm-hmm. knowing that when I get invited to something that, like, I should do what I can to, like, go there and attend and spend time with people that I care about Mm -hmm. Um, as opposed to like you know working late on a work project every day for weeks on end like I've I've learned now that one of those things I will regret and the other one I won't and you know just knowing where to put my time so that I can go through life and look at myself in the mirror and be happy with what I see and um, you know I want I want to be an old man and just think back on all these pleasant moments and yeah and just feel good about like the relationships that I've had yeah I like I kind of agree with you I feel like also as I've gotten older obviously everyone around me gets older too and so I've kind of almost like been weighing family more and more too because like yeah like I said everyone's getting older so like I want to make sure I have time with my family Um, Mm -hmm. but again with my friends too because I do think that spending time with those types of people is more valuable than yeah like spending time at work (laughs) yeah yeah well I think uh, with COVID and how isolated Mm. things became like the person that I was talking to last night uh, was living alone through COVID. Yeah. And that is certainly, you know, I think a lot of people have learned about the importance of having these connections and spending time with people that you care about because we've seen the other side. Like, yeah. And it's not, it's not a good state to be in. Right. Yeah, that's a, like... Yeah, I almost want to say my advice is like kind of what you already said is like figure out what your priorities are because it's going to be different for everyone and weigh things that way. This just made me think of another question now. Uh, were you going to say something first? Well, is it like a change in topic? No. Well, it's still regret. Okay, yeah, let's go So with like, that. what do you think is the benefit of trying to live without regrets? Um, the, the, ooh, let me think. So, if you regret something, generally I think that means that you're not being like true to yourself or like authentic. Like, you're not allowing your authentic self to act. Yeah. Um, so like, 
for me, uh, I have a, a certain way that I am, and sometimes I've tried to like go against that, mm-hmm. whether to like fit in with people or culture, um, or because I, I feel like my authentic self won't be accepted in the environment that I'm in, mm-hmm. and I always feel icky about that, or yeah. or like, yeah, it, it feels bad, it feels depressing, but when I'm like authentic to myself and operating in a way that is like, you know, uh, allowing me to express my inner truth, I, I, I don't like a lot of the way I'm phrasing this right now, but like, like <laughs> there's like a core Rylan yeah. who I want people to know and understand and love and engage with. And um, if I'm not being my authentic self, then even though people might be engaging with me and liking me, I feel like it, they're not like actually connecting to my core. And mm-hmm. and so it feels like disingenuous in some way or like... Unvaluable. Like, yeah, like, like they don't know the real me. And so like, what does it even mean that they, you know, were connecting with me in that moment? Yeah. And so, the- so that's why I want to avoid regret. Yeah. To go back to your question, like, I, I, I want to be the participant. The core of me wants to be the participant, not some mask that I have on, not not like a act that I'm putting on because I think I need to behave a certain way in this particular situation. I want it to be me out there. Yeah. I want you to like me for who I am. <laughs> and if you don't, see ya. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's see how... you later. <laughs> But yeah, if people don't appreciate it, that's like part of it. Like, okay, I don't want you in my life. No regrets. Like, yeah, and that, that's okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are definitely probably like toxic people in people's lives that are like ruining the authentic person inside. So, yeah. But it's also hard to like say, sorry, I don't want to do this with you. Or sorry, give me my own time. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just hard to do. Yeah. I'm even thinking, so, like, I was probably one of those middle schoolers that was, like, YOLO all the time, high school, whenever YOLO okay. was a big thing. Um, but it still kind of has meaning to me. Like, this is our one life right now. How are we going mm-hmm. to spend it? You only have so much time. Like, I, I've said this before in other episodes. I kind of mentioned it today. I didn't say it was a fear, but, like, I have a fear of, like, getting old. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I always want to live, like, every day like the best I can to like enjoy every day and so I think that is why I'm so much of like a go with the flow type of person too because I'm Mm -hmm. like I'm here now why don't I do this now because I'm alive right now and so even YOLO is a funky saying I do like the meaning somewhat some it can also be like oh, I'm going to go do something dangerous because yeah. YOLO. <laughs> that's, that's like the context that you normally hear it is yeah. right before somebody does something obnoxiously stupid. Yeah, I'm not like that. I'm I'm an actuary. I avoid the yeah. risk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm alive right now, but I want to be alive tomorrow too. <laughs> I hear you. Um, have you ever seen We're the Millers? Should we get some no regrets tattoos now? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, man. Okay. I'll show them later. Yeah, I let's get tatted. I know tats, you guys though. know. Yeah. yeah, I don't need to see the show. Let's just get tatted up. Yeah, <laughs> Yolo. <I'm ready. laughs> I can't die from a tattoo, right? I've said this before. This is off topic now, but I've said before, like I want to get a tattoo at some point in my life just to mm. know what it's like. It won't kill me. It'll hurt. 
But sure. I just want to see what it feels like, and it's not gonna ruin the quality of my life. I don't think it'll be time say, spent in a chair. When you say see what it feels like, do you mean like the needle itself, or do you mean like yeah. see what it feels like to have a tattoo on you? I meant like the experience of getting it. Yeah. Oh. Um. Couldn't you just get like? I I would imagine you could do like an inkless tattoo and just like get poked by a needle a lot. I think I do still want it on me though. Okay. Okay. And be like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> Because I don't know if I'll like it, too. And, like, I don't think I'll hate a tattoo so much that I'm like, oh, my God, why did I ever do that? Mm-hmm. But I, so that's why I kind of want to see, like, do I actually like that or not? It's kind of like one of those things, like, you can't judge someone if you don't know what it's like. And so then yeah. if I get it, I'm just like, now I know the experience someone went through and, like, why they appreciated someone. I feel like I'll like it. That's why I'm, like, yeah, for it. You cool. don't have any tattoos, right? No. Okay. I don't think so, but... Yeah, no. <laughs> Do you want one? Uh, I've got one in mind, actually. Oh. Um, yeah, I have one in mind. Okay. I'll, I'll leave it at that, maybe. Yeah, another day. Are we Are we at the end here? I don't know. Any more... Any more regrets? Are you going to regret if we shut off the episode now? I don't know. Depends what the time is. <laughs> I think we're good on time. Okay. Yeah. No, I feel like this could be it. The end of what is this number nineteen? Wow, really? Yeah, we're almost at twenty. Oh, I guess. we we've been slaying it. Yeah. This is great. Number nineteen. Yeah. Hey, we love you all. Uh, even our audio only listeners, and I feel like I need to say that now because I suspect in the next week, mm-hmm. maybe we're gonna have um our RSS feed. Linked up to Spotify and Apple Music. At least, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we will have audio-only listeners, which means I probably need to stop uh, stop insulting them in every episode. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, we appreciate everyone who, who tunes in every week to listen and watch us and uh, comment. And um, please like, share, and subscribe because that really helps us out a lot. Thank you for listening today. Yeah. Uh, bye. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> We're never going to get that outro. <laughs> that is okay. <laughs>